Whether you're an aspiring music business professional or a seasoned vet, every Thursday, the Music Business Podcast brings you the trends and tactics from some of the world's most innovative minds in music. I'm artist manager and consultant, Jordan Williams. And I'm Sam Heisel, co-founder of the music marketing and content production agency, Knox. We're not teachers. We're entertainment industry professionals, drinkers, wannabe comedians, and most importantly, fans. Welcome to the show. Jordan, what's happening? What's up, man? Chilling, you know, another another day, another day inside. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. So couldn't be more excited to have our guest on today, Mr. Parker Reyes. Uh, Parker is the head of music at a company called Tone Den. Tone Den is a very powerful marketing platform. It uh, enables lots of different tools to help you go about building and mobilizing an audience online. I think uh, really grateful because Parker talks about very effective ways to, to run different ad campaigns. So you can drive more streams to your music. We talk a little bit about running competitions. We talk a little bit about how you can kind of like different factors that influence the Spotify algorithm. So you can really try and focus on tactical ways to drive traffic to Spotify in hopes that over time it leads to a lot more organic traffic that uh, Spotify just drives to your profile. So I really enjoyed this episode. I think it's a very tactical deep dive for artists or managers that are really looking to better understand specific ways in which they can promote their music and run ad campaigns, even if they're not an expert when it comes to running ad campaigns. What do you think, Jordan? Yeah, man, I think we really, really, really picked his brain very well on this one. Um, even me bringing up a scenario, I, you, you'll hear it with one of my clients that I worked with in the past where it was a situation where it was, what do we put the ad spend towards? And I think that'll relate to a lot of people. Especially because we're not used, we weren't used to spending ad money for that artist. So people that are kind of in the beginning of their ad spend career, I think we'll get a lot out of this. And we make sure to also, um, you know, if you don't have that much money to spend, not only you know what should you spend money on first, but also you know how much, how should you spend the little money that you have available for ads. Um, we talk about consistency over spending just on one event or campaign. Um, and I think we got super tactical, and I think people will be able to literally take notes on this one so totally and also super grateful the boy uh the homie parker hooked it up for the music business podcast community you guys can get 10 percent off of the tone den platform so just go to tone den.io t-o-n-e-d-e-n.io tone den.io and upon checkout use the discount and promo code mbp music business podcast we out here we got your back check out tone den get your streams up and without any further ado, let's dive into this week's episode. Let's do it. Parker, what's happening? How are you feeling today? What's good, man? I'm feeling good today. Today's been pretty pretty crazy, but uh, I feel pretty good. I appreciate you guys having me on the show. Yeah, yeah man. No, very excited. I think Tone Den is a powerful tool and excited to not only dive into Tone Den, but also just talk all things marketing, management, Um I mean, for starters, can you just give a little bit of background context on Tone Den, uh, what it does, how it can help different people in the music industry, whether it's artists, managers, labels, etc.? Yeah, for sure. So Tone Den, most people know Tone Den for their follow gates, basically follow to download gates. That was really popular when SoundCloud was taking off about six, three, three or four years ago. Basically, the CEO invented the follow to download gate on MySpace and ended up blowing up his punk band. I believe it was a punk band back in like six or seven years ago 
on this that he wrote and it was a really he ended up getting a ton of bookings out of it for the band that he was in and that the last seven or six or seven years has developed into a full marketing suite for which that is included in the marketing suite but we basically are facebook and google partners to where we're able to run ad campaigns on paid media utilizing platform and also there's a, a ton of other like really cool tools and, and concepts where, where artists can you know create a uh, create a gate so so you have to follow you know a social platform in order to download a specific song or we, we also have like contesting where you know big big art big to small small to big artists basically create this contest where users have to do a multitude of actions in order to, to enter and they can do all the actions um to get those points but it's basically fan acquisition tools from a paid media level and from just uh, an organic, organic kind of coding level, if that makes sense. Yeah, amazing. That's awesome. Um, as far as the, what do you feel when it comes to running different ad campaigns, where do you see the as the most common areas where people are running campaigns? Yeah, and, uh, on the recorded music side, it's just the thing with the music industry is like most record labels and, and, and artist managers run run awareness it's it's less marketing it's more pushing and that's based off of just like how radio used to how radio is really it's like it's hard to actually me- measure real roi when it comes to that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um it's just about getting getting awareness of the record it's not it's less about you know how much money i can spend on this campaign and what does that come on a fan gained basis or on a on a stream basis it's not really a one-to-one but as people are becoming more advanced People are starting to realize if you do paid media right, you can actually start to develop some some really heavy fan bases, some really heavy or, or not organic, but some really heavy engaged fan bases. Uh, utilizing you know specific campaigns um, that 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 basically people from these the multitude of social platforms like Instagram, and Facebook, and and now TikTok. I know TikTok's really really having a moment. Um, being able to move those people into the artist bubble and then being able to you know keep them engaged with music and with anything else, content, whatever you can uh, on a regular basis, keep that artist relevant, especially now that, you know, touring isn't really a thing uh, until things go back to normal. Do you think advertisements are more relevant for some sectors than others? So obviously you can have ads for e-commerce, for tours or events, uh, for streaming. Do you think that it's worth putting your ad spend towards a certain, a certain area? I think, Every every cohort has its own strategy, and mm-hmm. if you can get that strategy right and figure out that strategy, it's it's you, you can d- develop a machine of sorts to basically pump money in and get money out. And it it really comes down to you know the artists and the music. You know that has to be like at a certain level. Um, it doesn't have to be amazing people with like you know okay music still like sell a lot of merch. And mm-hmm. again, this is all subjective, right. uh, but as long as it's good enough and the creative is, is, is good enough, you can see a lot of, a lot of really good value. If you set, set things up, right. The problem is a lot of people, you know, try to set something up uh, once spend like a very small amount of money and see minimal return. And then in their head, it's like, this is, this is like a, a waste of money. And then that kind of ruins it for, 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 for them and for their artists for a while. But if they spend the time, uh, to, to figure out how to do it right or or work with tools that will help you do it right, you know, um, right. then you can see that quick quick return on that. Um, are, does deploying ads make sense more for things that you've already kind of got down or does it make sense for more uh, discovery? So like, for example, I used to work with an artist who sold a lot of merch, like probably more than a lot of bands who sell a lot more music. Um, and 
I think, you know, near the end of my time working with him, it was a question of, you know, when we start spending ads, should we be putting it towards um, to get kind of get those numbers up kind of on par with what we think makes sense for merchandise? Or do we get dig deeper and just plow music and, and plow, you know, money into merchandise? So I guess, you know, if you do have a limited budget, what do you think sense to put towards um, given the pluses and weaknesses of the specific artists like right. in that scenario? I mean, at the end of the day, in order for people to buy merch, they need to like the music. It's like kind of what I was saying earlier. They, 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 right. There needs to be some kind of a like connection to the act uh, yeah. on, on that front. So, I mean, just off the, off the top of my head, what I, would, what I would do in a situation like this is I would spend a majority of the budget into pushing the music and generating a fan base. And then I would create a retargeting audience of people who have done specific actions, watched a video X mm. amount of time. Once they're in the funnel, then I would hit them with, you know, once the deeper in the funnel, the more likely they are to buy something, right? right. So I, w- I would spend like, you know, maybe, you know, if it was, a, it was 100% of the budget, right? I would spend like maybe 80% on building, pulling people onto the top of the funnel and pulling new cold fans into the world of the artists. Mm-hmm. And then I would spend probably 20% or whatever, depending on what that is, hitting them with, with you know, merch uh, or whatever else I'm trying to get them to do um, as they're aware of the artist and as they're warmed up, if that makes sense. And is there, um, is there a budget that you think it, under that point, it just doesn't really make sense to run ads. So like if I want to put $50 into ads for something, you know, does that, you, you were saying earlier that a lot of people, you know, spend a little amount and they don't see much. So they think that it's not really effective. Um, what do you think the threshold is for real success? At least, you know, at a, at a minimal point, the minimal amount of success that you can get from, um, the minimal amount of budget that you spend. For sure. I mean, yeah, it just it comes down to where you're in your artist project. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, in order, you can like, you can you can bootstrap it, you know. And, that, and it's either you, it's either you have money, and this is like a, a tell a, an old thing. Like either you have money, or you have time, right? It's like if you, if you have the time, same goal. But and another side note is like even if you have the money, a lot of people don't even know how to spend <laughs> it right, and they end up wasting a lot of it. Uh, something that I've seen happen a lot, uh, you know, that's, that's just only part, part of the equation. But in regards to this, you know, just, just for instance, on this, on, on these 10 campaigns, uh, there are small baby, baby bands and small artists that, you know, don't have a lot of budget to spend, but they're able to spend very small amount of money, you know, relative to the amount they could spend, you know, at, at like $5 a day of ad spend and, and see like results like they've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And it's more about a long-term, it's more of a long game. You know, it's like people, people can, you know, it's, it's like you're trying to build awareness and attention over a long period of time so that whenever you do have a song that could be a hit, um, you have that base that's able to have to be that spark that creates the hit. A lot of times it happens organically uh, without, you know, the, the artist having a big fan base, which happens all the time. Um, but in regards to spending, it's like you can spend a small amount of money over a long period of time and slowly as you start to generate more income. Or, you know, a lot of times these people, these artists have side jobs that are generating them revenue um, where they're able to reinvest back into their artist project mm-hmm. and build like a build a machine that way, you know. Um, it just really comes down to how much you're willing to put into it initially. Yeah. Um, does that answer your question? I kind of round about it. Yeah, that, about it, that, that makes sense. That, yeah. I mean, a good example of that, at least for me, is um, a few years ago when I was in college, I kept getting ad advertisements for banks. And I was like, I don't know this person. I'm not really too sure why I'm getting these 
these ads. And then eventually I just saw enough ads where I was like, I'm going to check it out. And now I love banks. So, so just, just for me, it was especially a long game because I started being like, it's the difference between somebody who, when they put out an album, just promotes that one album. And then when the ad spend is done, that's the last you see that record in your, in your news feed versus somebody who consistently puts something out. So when they do put something out, it's like, oh, I guess I have been seeing this digital billboard for a long time. Let me finally check this out. And I've bought tickets to, uh, you know, bank shows before. So that's that's a good return on investment just on me. You know what I mean? I'm not yeah. sure how much money went to me specifically, but... Um, and this thing's like, you know, lifetime value, like you might spend a dollar acquiring someone, but if that person ends up being a fan for five years and buys X amount of merch and buys X amount of tickets, like the ROI is hard to track, but it's right. there, you know, and they have, you have to get them in the bubble for them to even know who you are first. But once they're in the bubble, if you're smart about your content and you're smart about how you're hitting them in different angles. And if you can figure out a way to be omnipresent in a way where they're like, Oh, I just saw this artist here. Mm-hmm. And back in the PR on the PR level, it's like PR is, PR is funny. It's like, this thing is almost a new PR in a weird way. Um, but there's just ways to become omnipresent to where the person sees you um, all the time yeah. um, mm-hmm. as a fan and to eventually hit, they hit a trigger where they're like, oh, maybe this is actually a cool artist. And then they get sucked in and then, and then you know, with the right strategies in place, you keep them in. Otherwise, you're, you're fighting with the attention of a thousand other, especially electronic side, a thousand other, other days that are like live streaming here and selling merch there and posting all these content. You're like, how do I break through the feed and just remain in their, in their face mm. uh, as much as possible. For sure. Right. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, I definitely am very fascinated about the, the omnipresent thing too. And I, I think somebody else said too on the podcast, but just the notion that there's like this interesting turning point that when an artist really seems like they're breaking, it's just this moment where they're, you're seeing them everywhere, whether it's like somebody telling you about their music, you're seeing them on social media. Um, so I think using tools like that can be very effective or using ads to help drive awareness can be super powerful. What are the different... Sam, like, is, that, is that something that you've done in your in your campaigns via Knox? Um, kind of trying to build that omnipresence or... Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's what you're... It, it's kind of like this arbitrary turning point where somebody becomes omnipresent, but you're constantly <laughs> trying to make that storm happen. I think whether you're running ads or creating a bunch of content or trying to secure PR opportunities or interesting like cross promotion opportunities on different outlets. I think it's like something you're always working towards. And yeah, then I, I do think it gets to a point where there's just these like big moments where you are like fucking everywhere. So I think it's, uh, <laughs> it's more just the culmination of lots of like effort down the right paths rather than like, here's the, step-by-step guide to become an omnipresent <laughs> yeah i think there's right. i agree man i think there's ways to manufacture it um but eventually you hit a critical mass everybody's talking about you you know yeah. and it's it's a series of differences that happen over a period of years you know people yeah. people like the whole overnight success thing is not true um uh, there are one hit wonder type situations but a lot of times there's so much back end happening mm-hmm. for the lot like mm-hmm. you know there's like seven years of learning how to produce and then like four years of like figuring out who you are and what, what brand you are. And then like finally get a deal and there's a whole process and stuff. So these these things take a lot of time to get to that critical mass, but Mm -hmm. I have noticed that the omnipresent thing is like, it's definitely part of the equation. Right. For sure. Breaks or not. Yeah. One other interesting thing too, is like when like, you're not always like reaching all your fans organically. So sometimes when you're running ads, you can like target people that have engaged with your content or just your existing followers 
So oftentimes, too, in addition to tar- like with Tone Den, you're able to really dive into a lot of targeting around similar artists, top tier Spotify markets, and then being able to add on the targeting of like who actually is already engaged with your content can be super valuable because then it's creating that maybe somebody banks you came across this dude a couple months ago, but like you didn't know he dropped a song yesterday. It's like the people that like where you are going to maybe it's not building like massive omnipresence, but even if you're just thinking about like who are those early adopters and most passionate fans and building that like omnipresence, at least for them, that can be powerful. Mm-hmm. So even like, totally. outside, yeah, when it comes, how do you think about uh, key, like key performance indicators, KPIs when running ad campaigns, Parker, uh, for artists that are trying to win online? Yeah, man. I mean, it's just, it's just there's, it's hard to answer because there's just depends on what the ob- person's objective is. So merch KPI would be, you know, cost per acquisition. How much did it cost to sell that shirt? You know, mm-hmm. um, reach and engagement or impressions and reach are important. Uh, this goes to the omnipresent thing, um, you know, and you want to try to get that as high as possible, but it just depends. Like if I'm trying, if I'm trying to reach as many people as possible and I don't care, I don't care if they, you know, be- become actual regular streamers, then I would go for cost per click, getting that as low as possible. Um, or, 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 you know, just trying to get the, the word out about something. Right. Um, like if, let's say I had a live stream and I, I, I had a live stream and I wanted to get as many people to know about this live stream, um, that, you know, cost per click would be more, more of a KPI there, but you know, for, let's say I was trying to generate orders on Instagram or, or, or Spotify or Facebook, the cost per follower at that point would be more important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to go down on a granular level to like cost per stream. I think at once at some point that'll happen. Um, but because of, you know, Spotify's APIs and fully opens impossible mm-hmm. to do that kind of stuff. But on, on, on the toned end, end what, what we're trying to do for, for people is be the interim between, um, because you, you can hire an agency and agencies are great. I ran one for a while. Um, you know, um, but a lot of times, you know, these smaller artists, developing artists don't have the budget to pay, pay, pay an, an agency's expertise level to, to mm-hmm. be able to do that. So it's, it's a different tier of, 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 of user. There's a lot of people who do have money, but there's a ton that don't. Not money, but don't have that much money. Um, and what we're trying to do with Tonin is, is be that middleman that that like you don't need an agency, but you can use our tool that's going to prepackage a, a hyper effective mm-hmm. campaign for you. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do we're going to add our the retargeting audiences that you as an artist you focus on your craft, right? You probably don't even know what our retargeting audience is mm-hmm. um, or or how to market. Like period, you probably know how to like push out organic content. But what, what we're trying to bridge the gap at is like users that, that have music and have budget, but don't have the budget for an agency per se. So they're able to run these prepackaged campaigns or run campaigns that are optimized through our machine for them to get the results that they would be getting, um, you know, um, without having a team, you know, initially. You know, we work with a lot of managers. We work a lot with a lot of record labels, you know, on the management end, they're so busy. They're so busy with all their clients. It's like, yo, like... I'm a manager myself and you know, the manager has to do everything for the most part, mm-hmm. unless they start hiring a team. But in that interim, you know, if you could build if you could use a tool that does a lot of that for you and gets you the results that you need to scale the project uh, at a pretty low cost, um, it, it would be a good investment. Right. For sure. Makes a lot of sense. Um, when it comes to, can you talk a little bit about, what have been? Are there any specific stories or artists you've worked with through Tonden that you feel have used the platform very effectively? Yeah, there's a few. There's a few for sure. Um, 
just, I mean, we just launched a few new products and we're launching, we're in heavy, heavy new feature launch mode right now. Just trying to get ahead of the curve during, during everything. And mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, rec- recorded music is, you know, streaming is up by 30%, I believe I, I read pretty recently. Um, and, you know, the amount of people subscribing to Spotify is not going down. It's only, it's going up. Mm-hmm. Um, so that part of the business is like really, it's, it's, it's really good. Good, and we 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 launched a few we launched a few products that were specific on on growing fan bases on the DSP end, right on Spotify, and we're working on YouTube. We're going a few, but there's one act that's been running this campaign since we launched, so it's been about two two months. Mm-hmm. I won't name her; she's really dope. She's um she's she's an all pop act, but basically in the last five weeks, she's broken all records on daily streams and broken all records on the amount of followers she's gained. We we, we took her from. 800 followers to about 10,000 in, in two months. And her, I think she's averaging like between seven to 10,000 streams a day down up from 300 a day. And that's pure paid media. That's with, but what's happening now and we'll get into this. And I think you guys are going to really like this, this part of the conversation. Essentially she's starting to get a lot of support from Spotify now because she's, mm-hmm. because her data showing that she's an, a, a popular artist based off of the amount of followers she's getting, the streams, the saves that she's getting, like the save rates that she's getting right now are like 60%, which is, you know, the industry average is like 12% or something, which means mm-hmm. one out of two people, you know, are, are adding her song, their, her song to their collection and, you know, streaming it over and over again because they're actually becoming fans, right? Mm-hmm. So we massive growth towards, she's gotten her first editorial ads over the last two weeks. And she's going to continue to get more and more support on Spotify. And that's just one act. We're seeing it happen on a lot of acts. So like, if you can, if you can target the right person to actually like you and follow you and stream you and, and be a fan, uh, there's this really interesting number uh, called the um, Spotify popularity index number. It's, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar Charmagic, with Charmagic. Really, really, really powerful tool. Definitely check it out. You're able to see like all your playlist ads. You're able to see pretty much everything. But anyways, we chatted with them and uh, we, we learned of this number called the Spotify Popularity Index number. And it's, it's, it's a number that essentially, um, it's based off of our theory. It's based off of many different metrics on how popular an artist is, right? But, but that, that number essentially is what Spotify decides on if they're going to the machines are going to playlist you more on the algorithmic plays like discover weekly and like release radar and all these different types of playlists. So if you can get that number up, if your music's good enough, a, if you can get that number up, B, you can start to get the support that you need to start to break your act. Um, all the way back to what this paid media campaign does. So the paid media campaign is, is, is hyper, hyper engaged, engaging those different metrics that, that create a situation to where that popularity index number goes up. Right. So with this girl that I'm talking about, she, she, she started at like 18, right. It's from zero to hundred, hundred being like your Drake's and your Ed Sheeran and stuff like that. She was at 18, very small, you know, just kind of starting out really dope though. Right. So over the last two months of her spending, she's gone from eight to about 38, um, in popularity. And that number we have a theory that once you start to hit around 50, 60 is when you start getting a lot of, uh, a lot of love from the system. Um, mm. It's still too early to tell, but there's a lot of really nice data points that we're seeing that, that, that are uh, showing that. And yeah. she's probably a really good use case. That's tough. Yeah. That's the most exciting thing to me here is, is, is when it comes to like, if there is a 
growth hack. Everybody wants the shortcut and the growth hacks. But I, I do think what gets really exciting to me is figuring out how you could kind of like trip the Spotify algorithm to take your stuff seriously, start putting you into different playlists, and it be, it's a fairy tale from there. So I, I think being able to, to run ads and, and, and drive qualified, targeted traffic to Spotify, I mean, it, it seems like a very, like if you are able to run ads and have some budget to run ads, I mean, it seems like a very effective strategy to test. Are there other factors when it comes to like, audiences to target or different things to keep in mind when it comes to different like um key geographies like i know it's more expensive to reach people in uh, higher gdp per capita countries so like the the u.s versus brazil like it's going to be a lot cheaper to get somebody to click an ad in brazil than it is in the u.s like how does that kind of fit into your strategy or what you think as well when it comes to really trying to help like tilt the scales on spotify and blow the fuck up <laughs> yeah and, and granted like people i don't like to think of it as a hack it's like because if the music's really good and you can get enough ears on it and they actually like it it's like you're just doing your job of putting it in, in front of the right person right mm-hmm. and that's like right. where i've had that question before so it's kind of like a, a weird not a weird question but like i just don't want people to think it's in kind of hack or anything like that it is a growth hack but it's not because like it's legitimate it's legitimate people that are becoming real fans right but in, in, in return, in regards to your question on the ge- geographic, so back to chart metrics, they wrote this insane article about this thing called Trigger Cities that they're, they're seeing the biggest acts start having a lot of popularity in specific cities um, within the world. And a lot of them are in South America, South, Southeast Asia. And basically, it's because of the culture. Um, the way people consume, consume music in these different territories is a lot different than the way people in the West consume music. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lot more social, you know, people are sharing music like crazy just through text messaging and stuff like that. So like Mexico city, for instance, is the number one most stream. It's the highest streamer streamer play, like city in the world on, on, on Spotify, which is interesting. You wouldn't think, you wouldn't think so. It's, it's, it's deeply ingrained. Music is deeply ingrained in this, on this cultures, but back to the, like the actual ad campaign. Yeah. So the problem is when everybody tries to promote, uh, sorry, when everybody tries to run ads in, in the U S for instance, there's, only a limited amount of people in the u.s to hit so it's it's like an auction place right those those ad campaigns and the cost per clicks end up going they go they go up to a place to where it's like almost not economically viable you know when you're getting you know 20 25 cents 30 cents a click it ends up being really expensive to be able to convert those types of people in the u.s specifically so if you if you end up you know figuring out places to target that are outside of the u.s like you know places in south america or places in brazil or places in, in, in Southeast Asia or global, really, in Europe, it doesn't really matter. Those costs go, go, go lower because you're competing with less people, but it's still real fans that are listening to your music, right? So, and, and, and Spotify is a global, it's a global, it's a global uh, what's the word? Um, business, it's a global yeah. business. So, you know, to them, to them, it's just, it's a person streaming a song and a fan streaming a song. So it's like, you want to get as many people streaming as possible, you know? Um, but what we're noticing happening is like whenever we, you know, we can, we can do a global, a global, a global reach awareness campaign. And because getting this in these tertiary markets, the distribution within the Spotify system through Discover Weekly actually ends up getting us more U.S. plays. Because mm. if we end up getting, you know, playlists to three playlists that have high, high percentage of U.S. based streamers, then we ended up getting our tertiary market streamers and our US based streamers at the same time, um, killing two birds with one stone versus spending all this money trying to target one location uh, like the US or, you know, like 
just like Australia or something like that, um, there's a way to kind of get get both. Where, both where they can kind of like affect each other. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, since you've been, you just I mean, since you are a manager, um, what are some of the things that you've learned marketing or ad spend wise that you think a lot of managers overlook and, and maybe a couple of things that maybe you overlooked yourself um, that you brought attention to as you became more experienced as a, as a marketer and advertiser? I mean, yeah, it's all about just like running strategic campaigns regularly, but also making sure that you're adding a pixel to these campaigns. And if, mm-hmm. what a Facebook pixel is, it's a little piece of code that anytime a person goes sees that campaign or, or clicks, clicks to it, they get, they get added to a pins, which it's basically an audience people that you can then hit with other content pieces of content to keep, to keep the, to keep them engaged, you know, over time as you release more and more music. And I, I think a lot of people like the whole on cycle versus off cycle notion of like, I only mm-hmm. want to spend during, you know, during the album cycle or whatever that is starting to go away in my opinion. And I think people are starting to realize like, okay, cool. I would rather spend, like I was talking about this earlier, spend a solid amount on a monthly basis and be able to project out where I'm going to be on, on a, on a engagement and on streaming and on a, on a fan basis, um, over a long period of time, especially as a manager, less so much for record label record labels, you know, they're trying to get as many streams as they can. Um, uh, but as a manager, you're trying to build like a, a fan base that are, that, that are going to last with you forever. And, you know, paid media when, when done right is, is, is really important. Granted, it, it's changed a lot because, you know, three or four years ago when organic engagement was, was, was high, you know, um, you, you could post one post and get thousands of likes and comments and shares. And that was a golden era, but you know, Facebook's a business too. And in order to actually, you know, increase their ad revenue, they need to, they need to throttle that a bit. Granted, if your content's great and you're smart about how you post it, you can keep your organic engagement pretty high. Right. Um, but it, knowing what good content is, is a whole nother skill set. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, knowing how, how, like what, what looks good and what looks bad. It's like, you can have an artist that's really good at making music, but may, may not have a vision on the, on, on, on the uh, branding side of things. Um, but granted, if you, if you have budget and you know how to split the budget up correctly and you're able to generate fan bases, um, utilizing the many social media platforms, um, and then be able to hit them with content in the future over a long period of time, and you do that right, you can get yourself to the next level. Um, pretty quickly and then supplement that of course with with music releases you want to be releasing music regularly um to give to give your chance to give yourself more shots at having that slam dunk song it only takes one song to get yourself a big record deal um granted a lot of times those deals aren't the best sometimes (laughs) they are but um, you want to come into these deals with as much leverage as possible, build your own fan base using paid media or using the various, you know, strategies to, to get yourself to a place where you have more leverage coming into a deal. You can, you know, you can, you can get a pretty healthy, nice, nice deal with, with a really good record label and end up having a great partnership with them. Right. Right. Um, so you actually had a, you actually manage, um, a duo that you were telling us about prior to the call that actually had that one big record that had how many, how many streams you said? hundreds of millions of streams across, across, um, all platforms. Yeah. Funny story. So that record, so it's a little bit, a little bit of backstory. So we, yeah, we yeah. put it out on, um, on just a, a cool indie house label and, mm-hmm. um, didn't really think much about it. It was just a cool, like filler record. It's funny. There's, there's, these things <laughs> happen just like, yeah. <laughs> and it's frustrating because you're like, Oh, I'm going to put so much time into the single. 
like, oh, it's brain power. And it's like, it does okay. And it does good. But like you put one song out, you're like, eh, it's whatever. And it's the biggest song ever. And you're like, dude, it's, so fr- it's frustrating. <laughs> I quit. It's very frustrating sometimes. <laughs> like, what? like I, well, what's going on here? I know. I, but the song ended up like someone made, someone made a, a YouTube video and they, it was very like internet, like internet. Like it was like someone drew like anime manga and then there was a dance to it. And like someone just put it up on a YouTube channel and that started taking off. And then it was, it, it was replicated. People were replicating it, but in different niches. So like someone mm. made one, someone made one for like Super Smash Brothers and every character was doing the dance. And it was like all these different niches were replicating this thing. And I was like, yo, if somebody would have came up with this, this would have been a genius idea. And I was like, yeah, so mad I didn't come up with this. But it started taking off, right? And this, I don't know, we put this out in 2017. It took like eight months. It was, it was, it did decent. It eight was like 100, 200. Yeah. It's like 100, 200,000 streams, maybe, you know, decent and not amazing, mm-hmm. but decent. Um, and this thing happened. And then we were like, yo, what's going on? I was like looking at the back end. I was like, yo, this record's starting to take off. It was like number. It was on the Billboard charts for like three days. Billboard reached out. Like, what the hell is crazy? <laughs> Anyways, it explodes on on Spotify. As of now, it has maybe like maybe like seventy thousand. Sorry, seventy million streams. And then uh, on YouTube, it's like uh, amongst all the shows, it's like three, four hundred million, five hundred million. I haven't even counted. It's been a while. It's probably a lot more than that at this point. Mm-hmm. But that led to um, and then Apple Music is really, really healthy too. And Spot- even SoundCloud's healthy. It's like a few million. Um, that led to, uh, you know, us, us partnering with, with ultra, ultra music and they re-signed the song and now we're really starting to release some songs with them. So just crazy. It can happen at any point, but you know, you want to, you want to lay a groundwork to where have a nice foundation, which builds every time you put a release out to where that song, you know, has a chance at, at becoming massive, you know? And, um, Yeah. So in that situation, what were the assets that you advertisements towards? Did you put them towards some of the videos that by these niche audiences, or was it mostly towards uh, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify? So once you once you're starting to get this, once you're starting to get this momentum, uh, what are the next steps you took as an advertiser marketer to to really sustain it? Yeah, so we started running pre roll ads, um, pre roll YouTube ads, hitting the videos that had the song in it to to, to generate traffic mm. to to the upload, the, 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 the different SP uploads. Right. Um, we were trying to capitalize as much as possible, you know? Uh, and for those that don't know, pre-roll ads are ads on YouTube where they, they play before music video, they play before video. And if you run it correctly, you can, let's say I sounded like Kendrick Lamar and so it was a rapper and sounded like Kendrick Lamar. And I wanted to get awareness on my, my artist's music video on YouTube. You can run a true view ad pre-roll where basically part of that music video plays before Kendrick's music video. And a lot of times if it's a good piece of content, will be they're targeted, right? Again, it's like mm-hmm. they're, all, they're all hyper-qualified targeted people. You can basically siphon a lot of that traffic that's going to the music video into your artist project and, and pull them into the funnel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- that's, that's kind of stuff we did. And we were trying to um, trying to remember like how this went down. So this is... Um, Someone created a video. It's like it was a meme. It, it basically it was memeified, and that's why it went super viral. But um, there was like a South American like porn star. I, I don't know. It was like a it was like a dude where they like he was like dancing in a speedo or whatever. And someone cut it in a specific, specific way where it was hilarious, and then that started going crazy in Reddit. So we we were I'm not gonna name who it was, but we were we, we, were, we should we should get him to like 
Like not trying to say a porn star's name right now. Jordan definitely knows. Jordan knows though. That's Jordan's world. <laughs> we, were, we were like, yo, we can break the internet if we can get this guy, the actual dude who was made out of the meme, to like do the dance in the video, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were like, no, they were like, we tried to reach out. People at some point, there's this whole thing. They were like, no, like it's, we can't do a look alike. It's illegal. And we're like, oh, damn it. We just kind of like let that one go. But the songs kept, kept going off and, and uh, it's still doing its thing, which, which is really cool to see. But all in all, it's like these things happen a lot. You know, a lot of times you, you don't have control over if a song ends up being a smash or not. But you can, you can set yourself up with the most percentage of actually it happening with the correct strategy in place. For sure. Right. right. That. What are other things? I mean, when you, as a marketer that also is a manager... Um, I mean, one question too, like, what is it like, I mean, you're the head of music at Tone Den, but you manage artists on the side. I think for a lot of people, I mean, there's a lot, you're not alone in the music industry or somebody has a cool job in the industry, but then has their kind of like management clients on the side. How do you think about, and how do you go about like balancing the two? So that way you're able to, uh, kind of do a great job on, on both fronts. Yeah, it's really hard to be honest. It's really hard. I don't, have much of a personal life at these, at these points but um that being said i do have like people that help me pretty heavily on the on the management side mm-hmm. i have a day-to-day manager mm-hmm. uh her name's christina she's great she really helps me out with with my artists and when it comes to management you have a day-to-day and then you have a manager day-to-day is the one that's really like helping out with you know a lot of the, like day-to-day things that need to be done you know adv- advancing the touring whenever touring is actually happening you know social media posts and putting out content and actually, you know, creating the ad campaigns, which, which, you know, I, I, I would like tell her how to do it and teach her how to do it, but she, she would be the one actually setting everything up on her front. Mm-hmm. And without, without that, it's, it's really hard to, to do it all, you know? And, and as a manager, it's like, I made the mistake early on, but I just took on like seven people. <laughs> not knowing like, just like, you're just a fan how, of music, you know, you just wanted to help. Yeah. And, <laughs> I would not any manager out there. It's like, you probably understand. Like once they all start to take off at the same time, you're like, yo, I can't do this too much. And then it just, it just becomes an issue. Right. So, you know, um, I would, you know, I would focus on right now. I'm looking after two, four people, which is doable. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not all active at the same time either. You know, um, when it comes to like the most ending parts of their parts of their careers is on the touring end, which is like not a thing right now. And then on, on the music releasing end, when, if we're releasing an EP, well, that's, that's pretty time consuming stuff too. Um, and they're not always all active at the same time. So you're able to kind of juggle and like spread out the releases t- so that you're not like dying, you know, as a manager. Um, but um, yeah, it's like just me personally, I split my days up, you know, um, that my, my normal, you know, AM, 7 AM to like six is like what I work on mostly with, with, the team at Tone Den. Uh, and then from six to like 12, I'll be like working on my management stuff. I have to take a quick call on the management and during those times I'll do that. But there's also a ton of synergy, you know, that I'm doing at Tone Den is um, I'm, I'm really on the ground trying to find the best strategies and, and, and develop the best strategies on all the social platforms and all the DSPs and then productize them. But I'm learning all of that through all of my stuff on the management end. I'm like, I'm in it. You know, I'm really, really trying to like get to the next level with my artists and and the only way to figure that kind of stuff out is either if you've been in it for a while or you're just like 
almost obsessed with trying to figure it out, you know? Um, but what's cool with me at, me at the company is I'm able to like basically productize these, these ideas and, and help, you know, thousands of other managers and thousands of hundreds of thousands of other artists with the platform while also, you know, using that for my own artists too. Right. Right. Um, what do you think is the most, at least in, out of the projects you've worked on or the projects that you currently work on, the artists that you currently work on, what type of content do you think is the most engaging um, in terms of um, ad spend? And you can separate that into, into merchandise events um, kind of in separate areas or, or any examples um, that you can think of that, you know, it was very clear this piece of content drove a lot of, um, drove a lot of clicks or whatever the KPI was. Yeah, for sure. Um, it all comes down to, and I know Sam probably go in on this, but it comes down to storytelling. It's like, how do you get somebody to actually connect with you on whatever level that is? You know, back in, you know, 2000, I don't know, six years ago, five years ago, somebody, you could post a cool image with like four, <laughs> four words and be like, cool DJ. And usually that'll do well. That, that, would, that would do well when organic reach was like actually like viable. But now, you know, you need, you need to be able to connect with the fan. If, it, if that means like a, a video of you talking to your fans or a video of you, you know, streaming live, it doesn't have to be the most high quality crazy thing, but like with copy that's like, this is what I'm thinking, this is what I'm going through as an artist. Like, you, you know, in, in artists like, um, you know, Russ, for instance, there's a lot of artists that really are good at storytelling and adding that layer mentally to where these fans can become like in just like so much more connected to them mm -hmm. to where they're actually you know able to monetize those fan bases on an easier level slash like just be able to affect culture in a positive way um easier so yeah long story short it's like if you can figure out how to storytell through you know the various mediums video photo written word um then you can you can move you can move a fan to do um, to become a fan, you know, and to become a music lover in your world. Right. Just about, you know, it seems like, it sounds like from what I'm hearing, just spreading that man message in a way that's conducive to what your story already is and what your brand already is. Yeah. It's just like move, roll the punches. Like, okay, cool. Where's the audience now? Now that COVID and quarantine and all that. Mm -hmm. That's why everybody's moving into live streams, right? It's like, all you're trying to do is get, get the person's attention. <laughs> break and, and break through right it's like live stream is its own type of media but if you can do it right and make it sick and like make it engaging uh the problem is a lot of people are jumping into live streams and it's all starting to look the same it's just a dj that's like in the corner of his apartment with like and it's just i'm seeing that over and again, over and over again and people are becoming it's like audience fatigue people are like oh it's one of these unless they have a big fan base um granted the big the big guys can get away with that because they have a loyal fan base but we're starting to see some cool stuff come out of this um, a really, really dope brand that was doing live streams for a minute. They're called Circle. They're, uh, you're probably familiar with them, Sam. They, 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 I don't know if they stream their live, I don't know if they live stream, um, like, I don't know if it's like completely live, but Most of it they is. live stream on like the top of Mount Everest. It's all live. Yeah, it's fucking Black Dude, Coffee. And He's got an epic one up there, bro. He's in their like top five. It's like 10 million plus views. Damn. Really? Dude, see, that's what I'm saying. It's like, if you can figure out how to like, present a live stream in a crazy way. It doesn't have to be on top of the Apple Tower, but there's, there are ways to make it unique and stand out. And then, Although that would be pretty would... tight if it was on top of the Tower. <laughs> that'd, that'd be pretty crazy. I'd be like, yo, they won. I'd be like, they won the content game. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> it's all about like... 
but they're sick. Check them out on YouTube. They're amazing. Um, but they're doing it right. And it's just a foundational thought process is like, all right, what's everybody doing? Okay. Now, how do I like break through that and not do what everybody else is doing, but still within the same medium, you know, and you're starting to see that more often than not, but, um, yeah, it's all about the attention, man. And like figuring out how to get, how to get there and in a creative, memorable way mm-hmm. awesome. over a period of time. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Love that, man. Well, Parker, so excited to have you on the podcast, man. I think uh, everything you're up to is on point, super impactful and, and helpful. And I think Tone Den is a really powerful tool. So grateful that you're able to share with the listeners ways in which they can use it and even beyond just using Tone Den, different general principles to help going about building loyal long-term fans, which is the, the foundation of any successful career in music, man. So thank you so much for joining us today, bro. Really appreciate the time. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, it was, it was great. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Really, really enjoyed it. Man, well, I really enjoyed that. I, I felt like it was a very tactical dive into how you can go about building traffic on uh, on Spotify, boost up those streams, get the streams up, start creating a, a true fan base. And more importantly, I think as you start to build that fan base on Spotify, Spotify sees that you have an engaged profile. They're just going to start sending more and more traffic your way. You're going to get more love from the different alg- algorithmic playlists. I think... Uh, the way Parker laid it out and the way in which you can use the Tone Den platform, I think it's a it's a tool you should definitely have in your toolkit. Let me let me put it that way. What do you think, Jordan? <laughs> yeah, man, I thought it was I thought it was awesome. You know, as somebody who doesn't really know advertising myself, I obviously obviously asked um, a lot of questions, Sam, that you might have that you might have gone over. But um, you know, if, if you're if this is your first time doing, you know ads or facilitating an ad campaign, I think Tone Dead can help. But I also think what we learned from this episode can help. I mean, I literally, you know, pretended as if I hadn't done an ad campaign before because I don't have that much experience with ad campaigns. So I think I think a lot of people are from, from A to Z um, can get a lot, a lot of information from this episode. And, you know, I'm just grateful for Parker. Couldn't have said it better myself. So if you... Uh, <laughs> If you guys want to check it out, I, I really encourage you guys. Like once again, Parker hooked up the discount code, ten uh, percent off for Music Business Podcast listeners. Just go to toneden.io, T-O-N-E-D-E-N.io, and upon checkout, use the discount code MBP, uh, Music Business Podcast. You know what it is. So we appreciate y'all greatly. Happy streaming, happy quarantining. Hope y'all staying safe, watching those hands. Uh, send in our love. <laughs> Hustle on. We out. Peace. All right.